Take your Bibles and turn with us, please, to John chapter number 1. John chapter number 1, our last look into the life of Christ. We began a message and did not complete it, so we will reiterate uh, some, uh, some of what we preached before, and uh, then we will finish the message and be done this morning that we started some two weeks ago. We're going to read our scripture, then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, I want you to remember Jerry Washington and his family. They found his mom uh, deceased this morning. And uh, Mallory was just telling me during the fellowship song. And so uh, we miss he and Noel this morning. And now we know why. So we want you to pray for them, that God would undergird them with grace and strength and peace uh, to carry on now uh, in their lives. Let's stand together. We'll read the same text. We read our last look in this passage. We're interested in Christ's first five, his first five disciples. First five, he calls to serve along beside him. The Bible says in John 1, verse 35, to the end of the chapter, again, the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is, being interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is, by interpretation, a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? In other words, he's saying, I don't know you. How do you know me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Would you pray with us in force, please? Our fathers, we bow just now. This to thank you for your goodness in our lives. Lord, we realize every morning we wake that you owe us absolutely nothing. And yet you uh, minister to us your grace and 
meet so many needs and, and allow us the gift of life another day. And we thank you for it. I pray for Jerry Washington and his family right now that you might draw them close to thyself. Make your presence known. I pray that you administer your strength, the peace that passeth all understanding in their lives, in their family right now. I pray that you would help them. Lord, um, I pray that you might just um, uh, bring a calm and a comfort that only you have to offer. We thank you for their family. I pray that you bless them. I thank you for each one who has come to the service today. I pray that you administer the needs, whether there be needs that are known or needs unknown in all of our hearts and lives today. And Lord, I would pray that the Spirit of God will have right of way in our midst. You tell us in your word where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we pray that he be Lord of this service, pointing our hearts to Christ. I would pray for wisdom that comes from above, clarity of thought and clarity of speech. Uh, in these next few moments. I also would pray if there be one here that's lost without Christ, I pray for their souls even now that today might be the day of salvation for them. Some child of God that may be following you afar off, I pray that today they might be brought nigh. Now, Lord, we thank you for all you've done. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you are doing and what you're going to do. We thank you in Jesus' name and for his name's sake. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. This is our 19th look at the life of Christ. Of course, we're still very uh, early on. We've divided these into these messages into various categories. Uh, the first seven messages had to do with the events and circumstances leading up to the birth of Christ. We followed that by four scenes just beyond the nativity, scenes in the very, very early life of Christ. Of course, we move beyond that to the silent years of Christ. Some say there are 18. I contend there are 28 silent years of Christ. And John rehearses them for us, of course, or Luke does. Luke and John uh, re- record those fours. And then we begin moving, three messages, moving from obscurity uh, to his public ministry. When you come to John 1, beginning in verse number 35, he's begun that ministry. He has come forth. He begins his greater Galilean ministry. And as he does that, of course, he will call five men to follow him. I won't take the time for it. Some say that there are six, but there are only five in the text. And so we're going to stay with what the text says. There are five. And these five will be with Christ as he uh, performs his first miracle while here upon the earth. That is the turning of the water into wine uh, in John chapter number 2. I suspect that will be our next message out of John chapter number 2. But, um, but here we'll find that these, these five men are going to be called, that, that is, to follow the Lord. Now, John's not mentioned by name, but we know it to be him, don't we? The unnamed disciple uh, that is referred to here. As a matter of fact, he's referred to in a number of ways, of ways in the gospel of John. He never calls his own name. It won't be until you get on over in the New Testament in his writings that he will call his own name. He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved or the disciple that leaned upon Christ's breast. As a matter of fact, there are ten times in this Gospel of John that he refers to himself but doesn't give his name. In chapter number 13, some two times. Chapter number 19, two times. Chapter number 20, three times. 
in chapter number 21 some three times. For a total of ten times in the gospel of John, he does not make himself known by name. Now, these five that are mentioned, of course, they are Andrew, John, Peter, uh, Philip, and Nathaniel. Uh, Andrew, you remember we gave you just a little caption about these five. He's the disciple that is seemingly insignificant, but he's not. He's in the most important business in the world. That is, he's in the business of bringing people to Christ. We'll say more about that in a moment. There's John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Jesus loved him and had so much confidence in him that as he hung dying on the cross, he committed the care of his own mother into the hands of John the apostle. There's Peter throughout the Gospels. We didn't think he'd get there. Um, He is the disciple who is consistently inconsistent, but all he is is in training. You never know who it is that God will use. You never know what work God may be doing in a heart or a life. But if God's working in a life, he will bring to pass uh, what he desires to accomplish in that life. There is Philip. We'll say just a brief word today about Philip. He's the reluctant disciple. He is one who will share his faith, but uh, sometimes he just can't quite get there. Sometimes you'll think through preaching or teaching or personal conversation, you're talking to another believer and you think, well, they should have done got this. And Philip will put us in mind of something like that on occasion. And then there is Nathaniel. He's the disciple who wasn't a phony. He is the disciple in whom, the Bible says here in our text, uh, there was found no guile. Nathaniel could and Nathaniel would speak his mind. He's the kind of fellow that we fellows would like to be around. If you ask him something, he would tell you. If he had no answer, he would tell you. Uh, if, he was a, if he was for it, he'd tell you. If he is against it, He'd tell you. He's just a man who uh, is open and he is honest. Let's read verse 35 through 39, make very few comments. You see here where Andrew and and, uh, John follow Jesus. Verse 35 to 39, the Bible says, Again, the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples. Now, of course, this is John the Baptist and his two disciples. Verse 36 says, In looking upon Jesus... As he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. That is, they follow him home. The tenth hour would have been four o'clock in the afternoon. The Jewish day begins at 6 a.m. in the morning. Our day in our society begins at midnight, from midnight to midnight. The Jewish day begins from 6 a.m. to 6 a.m. the next morning. And so it would have been the tenth hour, the four o'clock in the afternoon. The evening is already pressing in. And so they stay with Christ as the day is growing longer. We talked about John the Baptist's declaration in the presence of these two disciples. He said, Behold the Lamb of God. He says, Fellas, this is who I've been preaching about. This is who the prophets have written about. This is who we've been looking for. This is Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the promised one. He said, Behold, look upon him. Gaze upon him. Take an earnest look at Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples of John the Baptist, they followed Jesus. This is the heartbeat of any preacher. That, uh, that upon hearing our sermons, that men would follow Jesus. 
that upon hearing our preaching that men, women, boys, and girls would place their faith in Jesus and follow on. That somebody along the way would hear our cries and be drawn unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they do. They follow him. They follow him home. They said, where do you live? He said, why are you following me? What do you need? And he said, where do you live, Rabbi? Where do you live, Master? And he said, come and see. A man trying to get to Christ, he never has forbade someone from coming to him. And if you want to get nigh to him, uh, thank God the doorway is standing wide open. Secondly, verses 40 through 42, Andrew, after Andrew and John followed Jesus, 35 to 39, Andrew finds his brother Simon Peter and brings him to Jesus, verse 40 through 42. The Bible says, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is, being interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is, by interpretation, a stone. We gave you, and I just want to touch the high spots here, and then we're moving on. But we gave you a word about Andrew here in these three verses, and a word about Simon as we find him here. Andrew, again, in verses 40 through 42, a word about him. He's in the business of bringing people to Christ. We first find him after he comes to Christ. He brings his own brother, Simon Peter, unto the Lord. You'll find that whenever Jesus would feed the 5,000 men, besides women and children, possibly 15,000 that he fed that day, you'll find that it was Andrew that brought the little lad that had the lunch with a few fishes and loaves of bread. It was Andrew that brought the little boy to the Lord, and the little boy brought his lunch. You'll also find on another occasion there were some Greeks. Many believe that Luke was present that day when Andrew, he knew what to do with a bunch of Greeks that were considered sinners, great sinners by Jewish people. Andrew knew what to do with sinners. He brought them to Christ. And the Lord did a great work that day as well. He's in the business of bringing people to the Lord. Andrew was a humble servant for God. He simply was not... uh, uh, he simply knew where he fit and where he did not fit. He's not trying to aspire to fit in some clique somewhere. He doesn't want his name in lights. If he'd have wanted his name in lights, he would have been sorely disappointed because they'll never get there. As a matter of fact, each time that you find the listing of the 12, Andrew's always number four. He never got in the top three. You say, why is that significant? Here's why it is. There were three, Peter, James, and John, that were permitted to go places to witness things in the life and ministry of Christ that none of the rest of them were allowed to go. He was close to the 12, but he was closer to the 3. And Andrew just didn't quite get there. But he was satisfied being who he was and filling the role that God had called him to fill. Let me give you two verses. I gave these to you two weeks ago, but it won't hurt to read them again. Paul would write to young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. The Bible says in Philippians 4.11, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And so Simon, uh, he's, um, his, uh, his brother Peter has been called the father of Pentecost. If that be the case, then Andrew is the grandfather. And you know what I'm saying, I hope, what I'm implying there. The word about Andrew, but then there's a word about Simon in verses 40 uh, through 42. Jesus saw Simon as Andrew brings him. The Bible says, and when Jesus beheld him, 
he beheld, he knew who Simon was. And that's what he's going to say to him. He says something after he sees him. He says, number one, I know who you are. Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Now, you know as well as I, Simon was a mess, wasn't he? On one occasion when he was speaking out of turn, and he did that quite often, um, uh, the Lord even, even complimented or, or commented on his life in a way that would give uh, us a bit of hope. Uh, the, the Bible says about him, said he, not knowing what he said, the Lord never gave up on Simon. He continued to work in his life. As a matter of fact, he is, uh, he's training him throughout the Gospels. On the great day of Pentecost, he's using him. And then later on in his life and ministry, he becomes the teacher who is teaching the rest of us. He says, I know who you are. He said, you're Simon. You're unstable. You're fickle. Sometimes you're hot-headed. You invade people's space. You're a mess. You're Simon. But then he said, I know who you are to be. I'm going to do a work in your life, Simon. He said, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Two things he changes for Simon. Number one, he changes his name because number two, he's going to change his nature. And that's what the Lord always does to someone who will come and bow before him. And therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He said, you're known by your name, Simon, headstrong, heady, high-minded. That's how you're known. But you're going to be Cephas. Instead of being up and down, Cephas means a rock. He says, Simon, I'm going to make you someone who's steady and stable. You'll be somebody we can count on, somebody we're going to lean on. And certainly he was. And then you'll notice with me, verses 43 and 44, Jesus finds Philip. Verses 43 and 44. Now, now Andrew and John, uh, they followed Jesus. And Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. But now Jesus is going to find Philip in verses 43 and 44. The Bible says, The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, And findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. There's at least 18 references where Christ will say in the Gospels, Follow me. And it's amazing how these men, just in that simple invitation, up and begin to follow Christ. Now, Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. There's not much given in these two verses about uh, Philip, and so we're not going to say anything much about him at this time. Philip is from Galilee. He's from the city of Bethsaida. Uh, which was a fishing village, and he would have been a fisherman himself. Now, Philip, as we mentioned earlier, he does bring Nathaniel to Christ, uh, but uh, Philip is the disciple who just can't quite get there sometimes. He doesn't quite understand. He was a fellow that probably would do a good job in the factory, but he'd want to bring the factory over into the church, or he'd want to do a good job wherever he would have worked, but he wants to bring that reasoning over into the service of Christ. Listen to two occasions. I'll just read the verses, then we're moving on to our last of the five here. Listen to John 6, verses 5 to 7. When Jesus would feed the multitude with the fish and the bread. Listen to what the Bible says here. Jesus is going to put Philip to the test. When Jesus then lifted, this is John 6, verses 5 to 7. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread. He said, that's what we've got in the account, Lord. We've got 200 penny worth. And he said, in 200 penny worth of bread, it's not sufficient for 5,000 men besides women and children. 
200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Now, the Bible says here that, that the Lord, and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. He'd been with Christ, and yet he does not understand the principles of Christ are unlimited, or the possibilities of Christ are unlimited. Christ will work a miracle in his presence to remind them, to remind them that with God all things are possible. And yet he forgets it. Somehow he forgets what he should have already learned. In John chapter number 14, uh, in verses 7 through 9, Jesus says this, If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip, it wasn't Thomas. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth thee. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Philip, this is something you should have already known. Philip, this is something you should have already got this. This is being in the presence of Christ, Christianity 101, if you will. Philip, I'm surprised you don't already know what you already should know. The writer of the book of Hebrews said of Christ that he is the express image of God. In other words, if you want to know what the Father looks like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what the Holy Spirit resembles, look at Christ. To see Christ is to see the Father. And to see Christ is to see God. That's what he is saying. But Philip missed that somehow. He wasn't at Sunday school that day, and so he misses that. Let's move to the last one, and we'll be brief with him as well. Consider with me verses 45 through 51. Philip then will find Nathanael and bring him to Christ. Now, Philip is also known by the name Bartholomew. They are one and the same. Philip and Bartholomew are the same person. They are the same man. Look at verses 45 through uh, 51, where the Bible says, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Nathaniel. Let me say a word about Nathaniel and his names. The mentioning of his names. Now, Nathaniel and Bartholomew, as we mentioned a moment ago, they're one and the same in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke give him the name Bartholomew. It is John that gives him the name Nathaniel. Nothing is said of Bartholomew in the Gospel of John. And nothing is said of Nathaniel uh, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That makes Nathaniel and Bartholomew one in the same. The synoptic writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, they put uh, Bartholomew and Philip together. But John puts Philip and Nathaniel together. So mark that down. Nathaniel and Bartholomew, they're one in the same. It's kind of like Brian Jenkins. We call him Brian. And then again, some people know him as a big shot. You understand what I'm saying? And so 
Uh, Big Shot and Brian, they're one in the same, Brother Terrence. They're one in the same. And so Nathaniel and Bartholomew are one in the same. Nathaniel and his names. There's Nathaniel and his nature. Notice Nathaniel is a man familiar with the truth of scriptures. I love this. He's familiar with the truth of the scriptures. Isn't it amazing? God gave us one book. Now, I have about four to 5,000 books in my personal library. And if there were a law passed, you couldn't have but one book, I'd keep this one. Uh, what's written about the Word of God is not nearly as rich as the Word of God itself. Did you know in this Bible it is inspired, it is inerrant, it is God-breathed? Oh, Dr. J. Harold Smith, when he was in Fort Smith, Arkansas, so many years ago, a college student went off to college, and he come home on his Christmas break. He argued with his daddy and broke his old daddy's heart. He, he was telling his daddy that uh, the Bible wasn't the Word of God. It was just a bunch of tales, a bunch of stories had been compiled through the years. And so he called Dr. Smith when he was pastoring out there, and he said, look, can my son and I, can we come? He's home for, for Christmas break. Can we come talk to you? And he said, well, I'm in the study. He said, come see me. I'll be here a while. They did, and they sat down. And uh, while they were sitting there, finally the dad said to Dr. Smith, said, uh, said, well, said, we've got a little problem in our family. Said, you know, my son, he's been off at college, and they've taught him to argue the Scripture. Uh, he doesn't believe anymore that the Bible is the Word of God. And, and just, uh, I want to know, will you talk to him a little bit? And the boy said, oh, Dad, I don't want to talk to Dr. Smith. Why, he believes that the Spirit of God wiggled the fingers that, that pinned it down on paper. Old Dr. Smith said, I never have thought of it like that. But he said, that's just pretty close to what I do believe, son. And I'm going to tell you, if you're to be saved by the grace of God, you're going to have to believe the Bible. If you're going to walk with Christ, you've got to believe the Bible. If you're going to grow in your faith, you're going to have to believe the Bible. We're going to have to get back to the Bible and see what the Bible has to say on a matter. But the Bible says in verse number 45, Nathaniel, now he's familiar with the truth of scriptures. Look at verse number 45. Philip findeth Nathaniel and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, that he would even mention Moses and the prophets. Of course, he's talking about uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Most of us believe that Moses pinned down two of our Psalms. And he says, uh, he, he says uh, what Moses wrote in his writings and what the prophets wrote. He said, we've found him. They wrote about him. He's on the scene. We can take you to him. I want you to come see uh, him. And so verse number 45, Philip findeth Nathaniel. And saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Nathaniel had to be a student. He had to be a student of the law. He had to be a student of the prophets. He had a sincere, no doubt, a sincere longing in his life. Now, listen, his friend did not come to him and say that I found a man who has a wonderful plan for your life. Or I've found a man who gets you. Or I have found a man that we call the big daddy in the sky. But he says, we've found Messiah. We've found the promised one. The one that will die for our sins and pay our sin debt. We have found him. We have found him, Nathaniel. Nathaniel must have been a seeker of the Lord. I think about Zacchaeus. When Zacchaeus would climb a tree, a sycamore tree, he was a little fellow, according to the word of God. But he heard Jesus was passing by. And he climbed the tree in order to get a look at Jesus. And Jesus told him, come on down, uh, Zacchaeus. And he said, I'm going to abide at your house today. You want to see me? I'm going to let you see me. You want to come to know me? I want you to come uh, to know me. 
Well, you see, Nathaniel's not climbing a sycamore tree, but Nathaniel is hiding out and spending time under a fig tree. And we believe he was reading Scripture when Jesus refers to it. Now, notice Nathaniel was a man familiar with the truth uh, of the Scriptures. I tell you, he being a seeker, I remember days when, when invited to our church so long ago. I remember days when, uh, when I was invited, and yet I was afraid to go. I was afraid somehow that God had a hammer and wanted to bring that down and crush me. And God owed me every bit of that if he had have given me that. There never has been a time, I don't suppose, in my life. Matter of fact, when I was cutting up when I was a boy, I might have cut up on Main Street around the court square, around the Sonic Drive-In, but I never do, did do that on church property. And I never have wanted to mock the Word of God. As a matter of fact, I don't put a magazine on my Bible. I don't put a remote control on top of my Bible. I don't even put my sermon notes on top of my Bible. I've just got that kind of regard for the Word of God. But I can remember when I wanted to know more about him. I'm telling you, God would give me a little light and he'd give me more light. But he kept bringing me back to the cross of Calvary until I yielded myself to him and cast myself upon the mercy of Jesus Christ. And by the way, Christ receiveth sinners. We ought to rejoice in that today, that he does receive sinners. Now, Nathaniel was familiar with the truth of scriptures. And then Nathaniel was a man who had a good testimony. Look at verse number 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Now, you know where you, you, you normally hear things like, that, like this? You normally hear this at a man's funeral uh, when his eulogy is being read or being shared with the company of people uh, that, uh, that gathers for a funeral. But Jesus says this about Nathanael, and here he is walking on the scene. He's saying about Nathaniel, he wears no mask. He's not hypocritical. He's not a make-believe anything. What you see is a man in whom, he says, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. An Israelite indeed means a genuine, a sincere Israelite. Hypocrisy was the norm of their day like it is in our day. And yet Nathaniel was what he was. His walk would match his talk and vice versa. His talk would match his walk. His witness, his business, the way he conducted himself, he was as honest as the day was long. He's the kind of man you can believe and you can get along with even if you disagree with him because he's a man who will be honest with you. He can disagree with you and do it respectfully and walk on. He's interested in more than just uh, uh, building something for himself. He's interested in walking, uh, living his life and walking uh, the way he ought to walk in his community. What a great testimony. Nathaniel was a man familiar with the truth of scriptures. He was a man who had a good testimony, and he was a man who enjoyed some quiet time himself, and we believe it to be with the word of God. And I'll say more about that in just a moment. Listen to verse 48. The Bible says, Nathaniel saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? How do you know me? You just called my name. How do you know me? Because I do not know you. Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Most Palestinian homes. When we were talking about Christ in his silent years, we talked about those homes, you remember? Homes that were built in Christ's day. Palestinian homes. They were one-room homes. They were square. And on the rooftop, that's where they would go to get out of that hot house after someone had prepared a meal, etc. But they also had fig trees. Their fig trees were 15 feet in height and 
the limbs and leaves would reach a lot of times some 25 feet uh, in circumference. And, and that's where people would go. I mean, you couldn't get out of the noise if you went, if you went in a home. So men would take scriptures often. They'd go under the fig tree. And they would read the scriptures. or They'd meditate upon the scriptures under that fig tree. When Holly and Celia Beth go to the Holy Land here soon to come, they'll see some of those fig trees still scattered about in the Holy Land. And so it's no accident that he was there. When I was growing up, there was a weeping willow tree in our front yard. And that's where I'd go. I'd climb up in the weeping willow and then I'd sit down under it. And I'd just be still sometimes and think about the day. Or maybe think about what was before me. I did some studying under that weeping willow tree. I could get under there and you didn't know I was under there. I could get under there and be all to myself. When my mom met Harry and married him and we moved uh, uh, up north of uh, where the supercenter is now, uh, that's where I'd go just to be still and to be quiet. Well, it wasn't a weeping willow tree. It was the fig tree. For these people at that time in their culture, it's no accident that he was there. I'm convinced what Jesus will refer to, the story where Jacob had the dream and he saw a ladder under heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending. I'm convinced that's where Nathaniel was reading while under uh, the fig tree. Uh, there was Genesis 28 that he would have been reading from. Nathaniel and his names, Nathaniel and his nature, and then there's Nathaniel and his notions. Consider with me Nathaniel's prejudices. You remember what he said? Um, you remember what Philip said to him? He said, we have found him, Jesus of Nazareth. And you remember what Nathaniel said to him? He said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can any good thing, he asked in verse number 46. Now, Nathaniel had learned a lot, no doubt, in his lifetime, but he had not learned near enough. He'd been influenced by a prejudice that would have been generational, but he was not bound to it. It may be said to his favor, he did at least come and see Nathaniel's prejudices. Nathaniel had a, or excuse me, Nazareth had a bad reputation. As a matter of fact, best we know, there was a bit of rivalry between Nazareth and Cana. They were located some five miles apart. And here's what Nathaniel is saying. What? You've got to be out of your mind. It's impossible for any good thing to come from Nazareth. As a matter of fact, there's nothing but revelry there. Uh, the, uh, the whole group of the soldiers and the garrison there. Well, they let the hair down. They destroy things. They fight and they party and they carry on. There's nothing good can come out of Nazareth as far as, as what he could imagine. And I'm glad, thank God, that, uh, that there was something good that would come out of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth and Nathaniel will come to know him. Aren't you glad that uh, a man can make his mind up? But that doesn't mean a man has to be closed-minded, does it? Do you know you ought to be open to truth? And you are to be open to the fact that you may not know everything about God and the ways of God. We always ought to be willing to learn in order to broaden our walk with Christ, in order to deepen our walk with Christ, in order to enrich our walk with Christ. Maybe a little something you don't have figured out just yet, but the Word of God, somebody may be able to help clear uh, clear something up you may not be clear on. Look with me lastly and briefly, 48 through 51. Nathaniel and his new experience with Jesus Christ. Look with me, verse 47. I said 48, 47, 48, and 49. There's an awareness in the heart of Nathaniel. Do you remember those days? I remember them well. Look at verse 47. The Bible says, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him, 
and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. The Lord's talking to him about him. He's been watching him. He knows him. Nathanael saith unto him in verse number 48, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before Philip called thee, he said, You know the other day when you was out under the fig tree reading the Bible, I was watching you, Nathaniel. I know who you are. As a matter of fact, the old saintly John Gill, he says in his commentaries that there's a Syriac tradition. And that Syriac tradition says that what Jesus was actually referring to was during the slaughter of the innocents when Herod had all the boy babies killed from two years old and under, that Nathaniel had just been born and his mother took him to the fig tree and hid there until the soldiers left. If that be the case, then what Jesus is saying to Nathaniel is, son, when you was a baby, I was looking at you when you were a baby. I've been watching you for a long time, Nathaniel. I know who you are, and it's no accident that you're here before me today, Nathaniel. That's what he's saying. I'm going to tell you, the Lord Jesus knows more about you than your mama knows today. He knows more about you than your preacher knows about you today. As a matter of fact, fellas, the Lord knows more about you in your life. He knows more about you than your wife knows and your children know. You, you young fellas, our Lord knows more about you than your mother and father know about you. I think about just now what God said to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 1 in verse 5, he said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. He's saying, Nathaniel, I saw you before you ever saw me. And you're here before me. There's a reason why you are here before me. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I'm convinced the Lord knows. But I'm going to tell you, the more I look back over my shoulder in my yesterdays, it looks like a jigsaw puzzle going together a piece at a time. The Lord has shown up in my life at times. Out of desperation, I needed him. Out of brokenness, I needed him. When I needed questions answered, he provided. When there were needs in my life, he supplied at just the right time, you've heard me say this before, there was a group of people in the northwest part of this county that loved me and loved my wife. I knew God had to be tugging on the rope because something was going on that was supernatural in my life. And God was speaking to my heart. Here he says, Nathaniel, I've been looking at you for a mighty long time. There's an awareness in the heart of Nathaniel because he says in verse 48, Nathaniel saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, When thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. In verse number 48, there's an admission in the heart of Nathaniel. Only God could know him. Only God could know him the way that Christ is speaking to him. As a matter of fact, in just a few chapters in the book of John, there'll be a woman at the well, and he's going to talk to her about her life too. He'll ask, where's thy husband? She'll say, I don't have a husband. He'll say, you, you said right. You've had five husbands, and the man you live with now is not your husband. And she gets saved that day. Old brother Fred Vault used to say it like this. said she came to Jacob's well that day and said she, with her water pot to draw water, but said before she left, said she dropped her water pot and took the well home with her. And you know what she did? She went back 
into Samaria. And she said, come see a man. You got to see him. Come see a man that told me all things whatsoever I did. Do you remember those days? You remember one of our preachers were preaching in the conference. And he, he was in Revelation 2, 1 to 7. And he got in that part. Remember, my heart was warmed toward Christ when he said that. Remember. I didn't know anything when God saved me. I didn't suspect anything as Vance Havner stated so long ago. I didn't even suspect anything when I trusted Christ. But what a journey. What a journey this has been. There's an awareness in the heart of Nathaniel, and there's an admission. He had never met Christ. He had never met Christ. But after Christ speaks to him just a bit, in verse number 49, Nathaniel answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. What a, what a blessed thing this is. This awakening in his life, in his heart, in his life. Nathaniel makes this declaration, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. There's a lot resist Christ today. A lot reject his message. But if you'll bow before him, he'll receive you. Doesn't make an instant theologian out of you. None of us here are one. But I tell you, he receives those that were coming to him and cry out unto him. There must be an admission. Thinking about the testimony of one young lady who serves in her church faithfully. She'd been a rebel. Had given, she'd given her family fits all her teenage years. And she got under conviction while Brother Dana Williams was preaching a revival at her home church. And I'm going to tell you finally that her pastor was called and sitting around the table at her grandmama's house. The pastor said, if you would but cast yourself upon the mercy of Christ and cry out acknowledging you are a sinner, he will receive you. And I'm telling you, she is a witness, a flaming witness for Christ unto this day. Nathaniel made a declaration, and he receives a revelation, 50 and 51, and I'm done. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee, under the fig tree believest thou, thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, 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 Though the words most assuredly are truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He said, I'm the ladder to heaven. And what you saw, what Jacob dreamed about, he dreamed about me. I am the Messiah, is what he was saying. Place your faith in me and follow. Christ in his first Five. He takes all kind, doesn't he? Even to do the work of God, he takes all kind. Puts them into his body and makes us one. He takes people who are educated he takes those who are not. He takes the young and he takes the old. He takes people that um, in the social um, status of it all would be at opposite ends of the social order. He takes, he takes us all and builds a work and helps to share witness of himself. Andrew, seemingly insignificant, but he had a part to play. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Peter, seems like he would never get there, but he did. Christ saw to it. Philip, a reluctant disciple. And then Nathaniel, a man who's not a phony, 
He'll be very open, very honest with you. God took those five and seven more, and one of them was a devil. But in the book of Acts, you'll find where God took a handful of fishermen, a handful of commoners, and he turned the world upside down. And you know God can take your life and make something of it and do something with it for his own honor and his own glory. I love our Lord who grants peace that passeth all understanding. Don't you? If we went around the room today and just asked, has God been good to you? Not doing that, so don't get started. But if we did that, could you not just stand and say, the Lord did this and the Lord's done that. The Lord delivered me and the Lord has brought me. And the Lord helped me in a time of great need. Our Lord's been good to all of us. Let's stand as Miss Angie comes.